Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Uh, welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. How are you doing, Joshua? I'm, you know, it's been a very weird, tough week. Uh, you know, friends of the show, our friends um, who've heard me talk about uh, my cat, Rakshasa, my big black furry fur baby boy, um, who I've had had for 17 years, uh, passed this week. So it was very uh, miserable. <laughs> um you know, he was old and tired, you know, so you you do your best to make uh, them comfortable. And, uh, you know, those decisions are hard. They always are, um, you know, but uh, I miss him a lot. So it's just been a really odd kind of week, uh, you know, with loss and... Um, I don't know. Anyways, so, (laughs) you know, uh, welcome to Bright School uh, Pet Grief Group. Uh, (laughs) I really do need to get better at asking questions that are not, how are you doing? (laughs) I I really do, because I feel like I just don't know, like... I I, I want to... I'm genuinely... Actually, I am genuinely interested in how you're doing... Um, and I've been checking up on you a little bit. I mean, yeah. but, but, you know, again, like I think in general when people, cause when people ask me and my, my response is always, I'm fine. Things are good. Right. But like, you know, things are good. Asterix, asterix, global right. pandemic, racial uprising. Yeah, we're all supremacy. screaming inside, yeah. inside our hearts. As we were screaming inside of our hearts. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah. so other than that, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the world has been the same for the last four months of my life. You know, all of our lives are insular and, you know, just kind of, you know, back and forth from work. If you're, you know, lucky enough to still be going to work or, you know, leaving your house to have to go to your job if it's not online or, you know, from home. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, struggle bus. <laughs> Uh, but I did get an opportunity to be distracted from it. Um, I participated in Dark Hills events, uh, Cabin in the Woods remote experience, which was a lot of fun. You know, we love Joey over there and, uh, you know, their whole crew. They're all just awesome, uh, you know, amazing people. And they invited me to participate. Well, I guess I shouldn't say invited me. I guess I answered their Facebook <laughs> You know, like, we're looking for people to try this. And I was like, sure, I would. Um, but I also thought it was already cast. So I was actually surprised when they reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to do it? Because I, I thought they had already picked everybody. So whatever, that's here nor there. Uh, I was happy to do it, uh, I thought. And then we had like a pregame uh, session where we were kind of trying to meet each other. And then it was like, so this is kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. And then I started screeching inside of my heart. (laughs) Um, Because I just, I've never, like, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, any games that are like that, like those role-playing games where you have to like talk and it's like a story and you have to like make up characters. Like they just give me like so much anxiety. So I was just like flooded with anxiety in our meeting. Like, ah! (laughs) 
I don't think I could do this, but I'm going to try. I was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to do it because I was afraid to do it. And I'm trying to do less of that kind of thing of where it's like, oh, I'm afraid to do this. So I'm not going to, you know, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to try to take the opportunity. And then, of course, Rakshasa died. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is <laughs> awful. Now it's like I really don't want to do this because I just did not have the time. Like the other characters, the other people playing in it. So sorry for the the, the listener. Basically, it was like an online Zoom I, I do think Dungeons and Dragons is probably the easiest th- way to describe it because we were rolling dice and, you know, kind of making choices, but it was blended with, you know, the Cabin in the Woods film and that was used as the as the structure, the framework of it. So everybody was like, had to create a character and why we were there and what our different connections were. And I'm like, I just do not have the energy for this right now. And kind of seeing everybody else's, like they had developed, like people were writing paragraphs of stuff. Like they really knew who they were. And I'm just like, um, I'm just some guy that's here. Um, (laughs) I was like, I'm kind of going to use this to distract myself from how sad I feel. So maybe just one of you pities me and invites me on this cabin trip to just distract from, you know, my pet's <laughs> death. Let's go with that. <laughs> Cause that's Which, happy. Yeah, that, could have, that could have definitely fit. Yeah. You know, so it was just kind of, you know, in that, in that sense, I was, I was just worried about it and not even so much of like, I mean, it's a mix one, one fold. I knew they were going to be broadcasting this live on the internet and we had tons of people watching at any given time. Or, you know, that, you know, that, that that was a possibility. So I'm like, okay, great. So I'm going to look really fucking stupid in front of like total strangers when I'm trying to like make people like me and want to listen to the podcast, obviously, you know, everybody was there, you know, we, we all were from different podcasts or different, you know, companies and things like that. So we're, you know, you want to promote yourself and, you know, also be fun and, you know, make people want to like you, hopefully. have a good impression, yeah. You know, um, but two, I really also, besides like feeling like, oh God, I'm going to look really stupid. I also, everybody else was so into it and was so like gung ho that it's like, man, I really don't want to ruin other people's experiences. You know, when they're like really into it, like, oh, maybe we should open this thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Do whatever you want. Uh, You know, I just kind of felt like, I don't know. I felt like April Ludgate, you know, from Parks and Rec, just like, hmm, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, I'm just you, here. You definitely were serving me. Um, you were serving me some Aubrey Plaza goes to the cabin in the woods. Um, I I thoroughly yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, tell me about because you you watched it, so you watched it from the other side. So so here's the thing, right? So like, I have actually attempted to to play Dungeons and Dragons for real. Um, this is a couple this is a few years ago and like the thing that immediately like got me was the fact that like oh shoot like i i need to be like you know dramatic and i'm not like that's like being on like that is not my thing like you know i'd rather be me and not like my character but you know we did a good job um but anyway, so like I'm, I have a familiarity with it and like the dice and all of that stuff and those modifiers and how kind of quickly things can turn. Um, so knowing that actually increased, like was part of my enjoyment of it. It was like kind of watching all of you roll dice, you know, for, you know, will and all that kind of stuff. But like, I was just like, if you could have heard me like, cackling at some parts <laughs> because cackling as I'm watching this because I had so much fun just kind of watching everything unfold 
Um, also because like I know, <laughs> because I know you, and I know like you're like I know like the kind of character that you're supposed to be, and so I was like, as I'm like, this is there's Joshua there. <laughs> um and then and it was just so much fun to like you know watch everybody kind of go through this uh go through this journey together and the stuff from like the chat was really fun i don't know if you i don't know if you had a chance to read any of it as it was happening but like the stuff in like the comments section was just going off and um i loved it and I had a really good time watching and I would definitely recommend it for people. If you have like that, if you already have like a familiarity with the D and D kind of role-playing game world, and you also like horror, this is definitely something that one, you should pick up their, um, you should go to the dark Hills events website and pick up their pamphlet on how to like do this yourself for your own, um, like with your own party, your own group. Um, Cause they have that available there. Um, but two, next time they do it, which I think they're going to do one in the end of August again, um, you should definitely log on because it was a fun time. And I did win something for correctly guessing who was going to die right after Joshua. Um, I, I, lost, I, I used all of my horror knowledge. Um, there was like a moment where the two, the, the two female characters like had a very kind of like sentimental, semi-homoerotic moment together. And I was like, okay, it's one of them that's going to die <laughs> because <laughs> they're the next ones. Um, my favorite moment of the whole thing was um, when the uh, the cabin master uh, Joey w- said to Joshua, "Do you have any last words?" And Joshua, what did you say? I said Balenciaga, <laughs> <laughs> which really and confused I... everybody. Which is another <laughs> reason why. <laughs> It was like kind of tough for me to try to figure out how to play the game because it's like, you know, I don't really know these people and I have a really bizarre sense of humor. Uh, you know, so there were times where I would say things and nobody would like laugh or, or, or it would be delayed. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if that like flew or not. Uh, but that, no, I was going to say real quick, um, just to back up a little bit. It's funny, like when I say like I know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons or those kind of games, like literally, I mean nothing. Like it is such a giant whole black hole of ignorance that like they sent out these um forms that like had our character on it and all these different like strength and you know healing and all the it was just a list of huge things and what to like when you roll the dice what to add to the dice and i was like i don't know what any of this means like i held it up modifiers yeah like what is this what like it looked like a nightmare to me because i'm just like is this math? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, there are all these words. It's like W-I-S. Like, well, no, that's your wisdom. S-T-R, your strength. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. This is awful. <laughs> you were uh, like, there's so letters confused. and numbers appearing at me. Yeah, um, I was so confused. And jo- Joey is awesome, and he was really great. And he's like, listen, I designed the game so you could play as yourself, which is kind of basically what I did. Um, so I don't know how much of, like, the scholar came off. But before the before we started, I was like, you know, maybe I've been in, like, community college for five years. I'm just failing everybody. <laughs> I'm just letting all my people down. So like, I'm not really like the scholar. Like I just didn't want the, I didn't want the, um, to put that on myself and then have to like live up to it, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I see. So like the character sheets, that's the stuff that I personally that's like. That's my strength. That's yeah. the stuff that I am really good at. Yeah. Um, I can see you being a good dungeon master, or, you know, cabin master. You oh know. my God. You have to have a lot of imagination and a well, lot of patience. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like the character sheets, because like if you give me something where it's like, if I follow this formula, this is how I'm going to win. Like that's how competitive I am. And I was like, okay, well, if my, my strength is this plus this modifier, which means I'm the person who should go and do this. And, um, yeah. and, and I thought that Joey did a really great job. Oh, he of, was great. Yeah. Uh, of just like, of, of leading the whole thing. Cause it was the first time that they did it. And I thought that, I think that that format works really well for zoom. Yeah. Um, and especially kind of like the voting aspect, like the, the, the aspect of like the people commenting and all that stuff. I think that all of that works really well. Um, if I did it again, also. I might, cause I didn't keep any of that up. Cause I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about how many people were watching. I didn't want to think about if people wrote like, Oh my God, Joshua was a fucking idiot. Why did he do that? Like I didn't want to, you know what I mean? Um, but I also kind of wanted to die because <laughs> at that point, this is too much information, but I, I was like nervously drinking like so much water. <laughs> I, was, like, <laughs> I had to have a slash, you know, like so bad that I'm like, can I die? Like, I'm going to try something stupid and maybe I'll die. <laughs> Cause I knew I had no strength. Like my strength was negative, you know? So it's like, if I roll, it's going to be less than, you know? So I was like, I kind of would like to die now. Cause I really want to use the bathroom. <laughs> Imagine so that I for saw you. People were like, why, why would you try that? I'm like, I wanted a weapon, but I also kind of wanted to die. Uh, <laughs> and you, you survived like, I lasted so much longer than I thought I was going to, but it's also cause I didn't take any, I didn't really do anything. Like that's the thing. As soon as I was like, Hey, I'm going to do something different for my character and try to like attack this monster. Then I died. Otherwise I was just kind of hanging around like mad anytime. Cause you know, I was like, I just trust what Matt's doing. Matt Kelly from horror movie night. You know, I was like, I kind of, I'm just going to kind of follow him a little bit because we had decided our characters were sort of related in that we worked at a video store together. And like, I was like the manager or something. And so it's mm-hmm. like, I, I just want to make sure he survives so he can work my shift on Monday because I bought booze for everybody, you know? And so it's like, I, I, I just don't, you know, I want to make sure he stays alive was kind of my motivation. <laughs> so basically, you guys were like Jane, Silent Bob, like kind of. So it's like I just was like I'm just gonna kind of follow Matt around. So then I was just kind of you know I, again whatever. It, it doesn't really you know at the end of the day. It, the, the point is is it was actually a lot of fun. Um, I thought that I would be like this is awful. And at the beginning, I did I really was. I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of like oh god, we'll see how this goes. But I kind of you know got into it as it went along and it became more fun. And now that I get the concept, I would definitely do it again. Um, I also might watch, you know, actually leave up the comments and see what people are saying, because I felt like I was kind of missing out on that, that some of the people were kind of aware of what the audience was suggesting, and they were kind of mm-hmm. following that. And I'm like, that's actually a good idea. Um, you know, because I just, I couldn't decide what to do. I also didn't know the format, you know, some of the other players, they play other RPG type games. So they knew to be like, Hey, this wall thing over here, is there this, or is there that, or can I look in this thing? And I'm like, what are they doing? Like like preemptively like rolling for stuff. And it's like, I'm rolling perception. I'm rolling this. Like, yeah. Whereas I didn't have that. Yeah. And that's the thing too, with like D and D or any kind of like 
RP, you know, role playing type games, it's like you you literally can't do shit unless you're rolling shit, right? So it's right. like you like in D and D, you have to roll for perception, which is just like, uh, what's my perception? And it's like it's a t- it, like roll for perception. It's a one. You don't see anything. You're basically <laughs> blind. <laughs> and then yeah. like if you roll perception, natural twenty, it's like oh, you see the vampire on the wall. You have night vision now. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, so it was a whole kind of language I picked up. So I would definitely do it again. I did think it was a lot of fun. Uh, I also, um, you know, enjoyed, you know, just the actors that came in and out. And, you know, yeah, you're guiding a four-hour movie, basically, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was really impressed by everybody that was in it. I thought they were all very kind. And they, like, when I told them what was going on with, you know, um, with me and, like, my personal issues that were kind of interfering both on an anxiety level and also with, you know, losing my pet – they were all like, I don't know anybody really. I mean, I knew Joe, Joe and Matt, but like, I'm not really close with any of the, the actors that were on there. They were just all the sweetest people, you know, so kind and, you know, like, hey, we're, you know, by all means, use this as a way to distract yourself and just have fun and, and, and give yourself permission to have a good time and, you know, just try to, you know, lift your spirits a bit. So it really, they were really cool folks. So, and that's, and that is why anyways. I love the horror community. Because they're very Absolutely. affirming. Exactly. So if you go to darkhillsevents.com, if you go to their shop, they do have the Cabin in the Woods RPG core rulebook, uh, which kind of helps you. It has over 100 possible scenarios featuring 143 different monsters. Uh, so it's a way that you can, you know, engage your friends, play online. Uh, also, if you go to Dark Hills Events on Facebook, you can find the video of the whole event that I participated in, and you can watch and, and see what happens. Uh, although I, I might have spoiled it a little bit, but it's okay. It's still fun just to see how it works. And, uh, it, you know, if anything gives you a foundation to play in your own life. At the very least, just watch up until Joshua dies. I mean, watch <laughs> the whole thing, but like first, like sustain watch up until Joshua dies because you're going to realize that you've been sitting there for almost two hours and he hasn't died yet. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and We horror. can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi-oh! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. But yeah, so that was the week. Um, it was supposed to be Comic-Con week here in san diego uh it was kind of weird that we were not inundated with you know five billion people who all descend upon us in their cosplay uh waving their four-day badges in our in our jealous faces uh <laughs> uh so i i'm very excited because today we are covering a shutter um you know online awesome horror uh 
T I don't even know what to call it channel, but streaming you know, service, streaming service. There we go. Joe's on it. Branding. Boom. Streaming <laughs> service. Shudder had two Comic-Con at home panels. Cause that's what Comic-Con did this year. They did a bunch of panels from home, you know, zoom stuff. It's all over YouTube and everywhere else. So, you know, whatever you love, just look up Comic-Con at home, you know, whatever. And I'm sure you could find, you know, a panel for it. Uh, but Shudder had two. Scary Good TV and Shudder Presents Horror is Queer. Uh, so we got, uh, we had the uh, chance to watch both of those and we wanted to, you know, just chat a little bit about them. I uh, encourage you to find them. They're both on YouTube. If you just look up Shudder's Comic at Home, Comic Con at Home panels, you will find them. Uh, let's start with Scary Good TV with Horror's Top Showrunners. So this was, um, I was extremely excited about this because it was uh, moderated by screenwriter, educator, author, uh, uh, executive producer of Horror Noir, uh, Tanana Reevdu. So I was so excited to see her. I just watched her Twilight Zone episode that she wrote with, um, I believe she wrote it with her husband, Stephen Barnes. Um, so I was very excited to see her moderating. And then we had Nick uh, and Tosca from Channel Zero. And what was the other? There was a couple things. Um, where did I put my list, Joe? I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not prepared. Uh, oh, he's also producing on the new Chucky TV series to come. Mm -hmm. uh, Greg Nicotero, who's been on The Walking Dead uh, and Creepshow. Or, you know, these are all showrunners, producers, writers, creative, creatives behind the scenes. None, none of these are actors. Um, and then we had Jamie O'Brien, who works on Nosferatu, based on the Joe Hill book. Um, and Don Mancini, who's, you know, well known for writing the original Child's Play. Well, the, the entire Child's Play series, uh, which is one of the Child's Play is very unique in a lot of horror franchises that it's maintained a sense of continuity over the years because Don's been involved. Uh, you know, so it was really cool to see him uh, also working on this new Chucky uh, series that will come out, uh, well, now next year. I'm not sure if that was the original plan, but I think it's going to come in 2021. Uh, and then Meredith uh, Avril, who's working on Lock and Key, also based on the work of Joe Hill. And, um, oh my God, his name just left me. Uh, comic illustrator Rodriguez. Um, we'll figure that out. Uh, anyways, so they all got together to talk about, so what it says is they offer their unique insights on why horror TV is having a moment and what it takes to create the kind of terrifying shows that keep viewers coming back episode after episode. So Joe, um, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts first because, uh, I know you, you love a good television series, even if it's not like horror necessarily, because I do watch or have seen some of all of these shows outside of obviously Chucky, um, what did you What did you think about this panel? Um, I, I thought it was great. Um, again, like I was also very excited to have it, you know, moderated by Tanana Rivdu. Um, just to also also experience like her as a fan. Like that's the mm -hmm. one. That's the beauty of Comic Con for me is like people who are legitimate fans of certain people, certain properties and things like they can moderate and they have like there's that added texture that comes with it so that was really fun to see um i i thought it was a good insight into um kind of just a lot of the different questions and i think one of my favorite uh one of the my favorite questions that um tanana reeve asked was the 
like how do you sustain kind of like that horror how do you how do you sustain that through uh in an episodic structure as opposed to a film structure and to hear them kind of break down in you know using their respective shows um Greg Nicotero has a very different response to that because he's show running an anthology as opposed yeah. to maybe um, one of the other uh, showrunners for like definitely more traditionally episodic television. Um, so it was nice to kind of hear kind of all of that behind the scenes type stuff, which is all stuff that I love. Like, you know, anytime a, if there's a showrunner of like a show that I watch that's talking, I'll probably find an interview and, you know, listen to them speak a little bit. Um, and then also for them to be really honest about the, the different kind of creative choices they had to make. Um, um, Is it Meredith that does lock and key? Yes. Yeah. So Meredith talking about like how for lock and key, you know, to just because of they wanted to have like, they, they wanted to make the algorithm work in their favor. They purposely like scaled back a lot of the horror elements in favor of like the fantasy elements for, for the series. And that was also um, very insightful to listen to like, okay, we're going to scale this back in order to have this and what kind of creative choices you need to make in order to um, one, be appropriate and be appropriate for a television viewing audience. But then two, you know, what, um, but then like also at the same time, it's like not losing what, about that series makes it good and why those fans of those series like it. Um, Nicotero tells a story of um, like watching one of the, one of the scenes with Negan and how this was like this huge, like splash page in the graphic novel was something that was very, very um, like sat with him in a way that like it haunted him for a little bit. And how did you, how do you do that? Um, uh, on screen and have that same kind of feeling as long as it brings out that feeling is it being effective and true so it was nice to see you know them having these kinds of conversations and um, again like I always have a very kind of skeptical view when it comes to artists and creators that are also working up against like the larger kind of capitalist network machine but at the same time, like, it was nice to hear them, like, no, they actually have these very thoughtful conversations. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, everybody's trying to do their best working within the framework that they have. Uh, you know, so I agree. I really did enjoy some of that conversation, especially when you're talking about shows that are adapted from source material, you know, like Nosferatu being based on a book. Like, how do you take this massive book that covers this huge amount of time and, you know, really delves into these characters? How do you bring that to the screen? And the same thing with Lock and Key and talking about it being, you know, a comic book and how do you bring in those elements and, you know, like how much of, how much can you successfully do in the real world that you, you know, you have a lot more space to work on paper. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really great. I look, Greg Nicotero talked a little bit about the most important thing when he's looking for something to adapt or, or he's like getting scripts or he's getting stories or whatever it is, is, you know, looking for something that even if it scares the shit out of him, it still makes him laugh. It gives him that like, ha, that was, you know, that was awesome. Have fun. And I really, I really like that because that is true. That's something that horror, I think, has – it goes. it's cyclical, you know, to a certain extent of how much fun horror can be. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, 
it's fun because it's, you know, you're exercising all of those things that we've talked about before on the show, you know, that roller coaster thing. But I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, you go to a movie like Hostel or Saw and it's very like, it's heavy and it's got all this blood and gore and it's, you know, can be for some of us a chore to get through for others. You know, there are, there is this weird catharsis that can happen, but it's like, I, I enjoy like his work, um, on like creep show because it is meant to be, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a little bit looser than that. It's not so doesn't have to, not everything has to be serious, dark, you know, hereditary or the witch or something where there's this massive, you know, kind of conversation happening. So I really appreciated that. And that is something that I'm definitely horror film over horror television, you know, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me personally. Um, you know, but in TV, because you're going to stick with these characters for a much longer time, I do want more fun. You know, I want yeah. mm-hmm. you know, a show that like I'm following it around, but I, you know, can, you know, there are moments where you can laugh. There's moments, you know, of drama, of intense emotional, you know, things, but there's also, you know, this overwhelming sense of like, this is a fun watch, you know? Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that conversation that they had. Um, they also talk about TV on the phone and also weekly versus binge watching, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I, I would say that more than discussing exactly all the details that they go over in the, in, in the panels, cause I really do want to encourage you, dear listener to, to, to watch these panels, support all these people, uh, you know, give, give them that view, give them that subscribe, give them that like all of that. Same for us. Thank you so much. Uh, but I was curious more so to answer some of the questions they asked, like for you, like wh- what do you think about weekly watching versus binge watching? Um, well, I, I mean, I have intimate knowledge of both, right? Because the whole kind of genesis of Fright School comes from weekly appointment viewing, watching of American Horror Story at your place. Um, and there's just something to be said about like, carving out that time and and sustaining it so i feel like i feel like when it comes to like a weekly watching um for any show there's a lot of there's a lot of things that can be forgiven in terms of like continuity and timeline and all of that stuff um it's very apparent like i did a rewatch um uh months ago i did a rewatch of scandal and you can tell like this this show was never meant to be like truly binge watch. Um, and at a certain point they figured that they figured out how to like make it so that way it could be bingeable towards the end of the series when streaming became more of a thing, but it was never truly meant to be binge watch. And now I feel like there are shows where they've purposely altered how they do it in order thinking that like it could also work in a binge format. Um, that being said, I mean, personally, I like instant gratification. I, I, I understand like the waiting and if it's something that like I'm truly enjoying, I don't mind waiting, but if it's something that I'm going to consume from the beginning, it either has to be pure weekly or pure binge watch. Hmm. Um, and then sometimes I change my mind and then I, I mean, you've seen it when we talk about drag race, sometimes I change my mind and it's like, okay, well I'm just going to binge three episodes uh, right now. So, cause I don't, you know, I don't feel the need to have to like wait uh, for a show like that. Um, so I guess it just, you know, to answer the question, I think it depends on my mood. Um, yeah. How do you feel? No, that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I think the, you know, I agree. Cause one of the, um, one of the people on the, I think it was Nick, um, uh, 
shoot, Antosca. I think that's how you say it, Nick and Tosca and Tosca. He said that, you know, sometimes it's hard to care as much. Like it doesn't stick with you if you want, if you're able to watch 10 episodes in a day, which is totally doable. Like, you know, if you have a weekend day, it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch 10 hours of this show. Like you can do that. Um, even 12 or 13 hours. Like you, I mean, if you're committed, you can, you know, make it through a show. Uh, you know, but then it's like, okay, you're done with that. You've absorbed it and you move on. And, you know, you don't even think about it again. Uh, there's definitely shows like that for me where I've done that, where I'm like, man, I would have probably enjoyed it more if I would have savored it, you know, and like watched it a little bit more. Uh, I, I also feel like because I have this distractionary nature <laughs> of, of some of us, yeah, everything. Yep. you know, it's like, if I don't like put my phone somewhere where I can't get to it, it's really hard for me to sit and watch 10 hours of a, of, of a show or something without looking at my phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's really problematic because I definitely have missed a lot of things in shows doing that. And, you know, and that's one of those things that's a willpower. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a failing of mine. Uh, but I also think a lot of people feel that way. Uh, you know, so I, what I kind of like, like, I love when Hulu introduces a new show and they put like three episodes up and then do it weekly, I think is interesting. Cause then I have flexibility mm-hmm. where, cause I really, I mean, I don't really tend to want to binge a lot of a show at once you know i might watch three or four episodes and then kind of get away from it and and watch two or three episodes of something else or watch a movie so i feel like that's the best like if they gave me two or three episodes of a show even if it was every other week if i felt like i had flexibility over when i wanted to watch it like oh wow i could watch all three episodes of this right now or i could save it so so i find myself doing that like even when they drop something all at once I still am like, oh no, I want to, I want to wait. Like, let's wait. Let's not watch any more right now. You know? So I definitely, I, I like having two or three episodes and then I'll wait a week or two for another two or three episodes. I like the flexibility of that. I think that would be the perfect balance. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do not like to watch things on my phone though. So I did feel sorry for them when they were saying that, yeah, a lot of people are watching, you know, shows on their you know, or films on their phones or on their tablets. Uh, I do not enjoy that. I do it at work sometimes, but only with stuff that I know, you know, like I'll put on a half hour episode of something while I'm eating, you know, just to just, you know, distract from work, you know, to get out of that. So I don't think about answering the phone or answering an email while I'm work while I'm on lunch. Uh, so I definitely, um, I don't like that. And I did feel sorry when they were saying that we have to think about that with the way we set up our shots and the close-ups and all of that. So I, I don't know. I'd like to see us get away from considering that, you know, what it looks like on a phone. I, I go back and forth because like, uh, if it wasn't for, I'm sorry, real quick. That is totally from like probably a space of privilege that I have a big TV. You know, so I get not everybody mm-hmm. has a big TV. People are working on their tablets. People are working on their laptops. So obviously, you know, you got to watch stuff however you can watch it, obviously. So I did want to, I just want to say that real quick. <laughs> and then like, you know, I, I'm here I am about to chime in with a little bit more privilege. Like, I feel like I've watched a lot of TV, like, because I, I'm able to download it to a device um, in, in travel or what have you. Um but yeah, but like if it's something like I, I try not to watch movies for the first time on smaller screens. Um, I definitely, I definitely prefer to watch it on a larger screen. Um, but sometimes a larger screen maybe means my laptop, or maybe means it's not necessarily, um, not necessarily like a big television. Um, 
and I think that's something that's, and you know, again, like entertainment is changing, uh, has changed so much this year given the pandemic and like there are, there's an entire slate of films that were supposed to be like the giant blockbusters of the summer that um, are not being released because, you know, for whatever reason, the creators are going to try, are trying to have like the big movie release of it, you know, on the big screen, because like, to be quite honest, like, I don't want to watch the 25th James Bond movie on my television at home. Um, as nice right. as it is, I would rather watch it full surround sound in a theater with other people. Um, same goes for Tenant. Same goes for Mulan, the live action Mulan. I would rather watch those on the big screen first. Yeah. Um, and then bring them home later. Um, I agree. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I think. I, I mean, think, I don't want to see any of those movies, but I know what you. <laughs> And I feel like I, I, it's interesting because it's like, you know, we're, we're going to have to kind of think about that. And that's one thing that I, that I kind of wish they had asked in the panel was, you know, how is this going to change? How is like the pandemic going to change? I know that was not the focus of it, but right. I was just curious because, you know, now there, you know, things are starting to pick back up in terms of filming. There are um, television shows, movies that are starting production again. Um, and these are considerations that everything's going to make. Um, I think that this is like, this is the writer's strike, you know, (laughs) this is that, that how it's going to change the face of television and film for a little bit. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So overall though, it was, it was a very, uh, it was a great panel, good lineup of people talking about, you know, how things are, uh, Tanana Reeve also asked a great question about how, you know, uh, society and concerns, you know, over social, uh, conversations, like how that's influencing, you know, the writing and, and working of television. I thought that was a great conversation. So, um, I don't want to give that away. Um, so definitely check out the panel and listen for, for that. Cause that was really good. Uh, and there was a lot of other really great, you know, talking points. So definitely check it out. I, we will link them below. Uh, but you know, again, you can always, uh, just YouTube shutters comic at comic con at home. Um, so the other panel that we watched was the shutter presents horror is queer, uh, which was moderated by writer, uh, Jordan Cruciola. And so we had, let's see, we had Sam Weinman, who we've had on the show before. We love Sam, uh, writer, director of The Quiet Room. He's also working on, he is the director of Shudder's upcoming documentary on LGBTQ horror film history. Yay, Sam. And uh, otherwise, we also had um, panelist Nay uh, Beaver, co-host of the Attack of the Queer Wolf podcast, Brian Fuller, which was really fun, uh, creator of uh, the show Hannibal. Again, Don Mancini was on, Child's Play, creator, writer. Uh, Lachlan Watson, who stars on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was really cool to see them because I just finished rewatching the first season of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. I decided to do a rewatch of that. Uh, so yeah, so really cool panel, really cool lineup. Uh, oh my God, Nay stole it all. I just adore that person so much. Uh, so many good, I mean, I, I wrote down so many quotes <laughs> that she said because there, there was just so many good things. Uh, but before we get into that, what did you think overall of the panel? Um, I I thought it was I thought it was fun. I thought it was really great. It's it was d- definitely a different tone 
from the panels that I have been to at Comic-Con specifically about queer horror um, in the past. Um, And so it was definitely a different tone. And I I think like part of me is just like, wow, I I kind of uh, I'm we're like really blessed in in that regard i think that's this is this is definitely a reframe um if you will of like current circumstances where this conversation is going to have a wide audience besides the people who are lucky enough to have a badge to be in the room absolutely which is amazing awesome yeah Yeah, so that was one of the talking points of the panel of like the mainstreaming Mm -hmm. of queerness and horror uh, you know, so this this whole conversation, like, you know, has the um, ability to reach so many more people because it's recorded and, you know, will exist, I imagine, you know, in perpetuity. Let's hope because it was a good conversation should be out there for people to access anytime. But anyways, go ahead. And yeah, it was it was great. And like you can I, the beauty of this conversation is like I really appreciated um, I, I, I really appreciate Sam's thoughts on. Um, queerness, queer horror, and and all of that because like you can totally see where his like um, his like pedagogical pro- proclivities come in because Sam has taught at UC Berkeley and you know he's taught filmmaking, he's taught horror, um, he's taught the slasher, and you can see where he like works in those those like pedagogical. Um, ways of just like attacking the subject and i'm just like and that's the stuff that i mean we do we do a fright school like it those are things that i live for um but it was also like really fun to like see um like brian singer talk like very openly about like queerness and hannibal (laughs) which like hannibal finishing the hannibal series is on my uh personal like i need to finish this in quarantine type of watching it's just i i need to be it needs to be during the daytime and i need to like you know buy a bunch of vegetables (laughs) um but yeah so like it was it was i thought it was a very rich conversation yeah no absolutely Uh, i really liked uh sam laid out kind of four bullet points for queer horror that i thought was really neat which were um explicit representation where you know there's a there's a queer character or characters in in the story obviously you know queer people uh queer coding uh is the second being like the implication of queerness and then um, queer creators, like writing, you know, a horror thing, whether or not it's about straight people or queer people. Um, and then like queer, like reading. So something that's like not even necessarily even implied queerness, like we're just finding ourselves in it. We're shoehorning ourselves in there somehow. Um you know, pulling it from, which that prompted Nay to comment, we find ourselves where we can. And I thought that was great. And I loved her. Um, these people should feel honored that I'm finding yeah. myself in their work. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, yes. Because it echoes a conversation that was going on on Twitter where it's like, you know what? Horror is queer and has always been queer. So straight people, you're sitting at our table, not the other way around. Like horror itself is queer. You know, so it's not, it's no longer this conversation because we're able to talk more openly about it. When you look at the history of horror, when you look at the people who have created some of the most indelible images in horror, the, some of the, the stories that have stuck around, the, the directors, you know, actors, actresses, they were all like, not all, but so many of them were queer people in some way or another, um, whether they were, you know, out, you know, out and proud or, you know, having to live the life due to their time constraints. Mm -hmm. Queer people have always been in horror. We've been shaping it 
from the dawn of time. Nosferatu was directed by a queer person. You know, so it's like, that's a very, you know, like since the beginning of horror film, we have been there. So you, you are sitting with us, not the other way around. And I thought that was so, such an empowering conversation. And so to have like, Nay, come on and just be like, yeah, fuck you. I'm here and you have to deal with it. And I'll be the fucking monster if you want me to be. That's fine by me. I loved that whole conversation. Monstrosity, you know, it's making us stronger. Uh, you know, I, I, I have, I personally have always really loved that, that perspective. It's definitely what I've wrapped my own self in when it comes to queer horror. I love the monstrous. We are the weirdos, mister. I'm Elvira in my low cut sexy dress. Uh, you know, that, th- that I'm awesome and weird and horrific. And yes, I'm going to destroy your whole system of, <laughs> of society. Like I've got no problem with it because it's oppressive and it's shit. And everybody should be as free as me, you know? So it's like, there was a lot of like that sort of energy, big queer energy in this, in this, um, in this panel that I thought was just wonderful. And even though I do agree, we've had Michael Verratti on the show before and we talked about seeing ourselves and the heroes as well and not the monsters. I still really did love like that. I really, I still, my, my, even, even if it does like, you know, there is a bit of that sort of like internalized, like oppression, you know, seeing ourselves as the monstrous figure in the film. I don't mind that, especially after watching this panel. I'm like, oh, yes. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, hell yeah, we are destroying your city. <laughs> See, it's so, I mean, this is so fascinating because I think we're like, making this it is better. Where, <laughs> this is where, this is where we differ. Um, because like, I, I I subscribe to the like the reason why like I love horror is because like I feel like I'm living through the nightmare the everyday nightmare of what it means yeah. to be queer right so it's like I am Sydney I am Nancy I am you know enter in final girl I am Jesse I am all of these people who are living through this like you know nightmare and finding a way to the other side and I they, I think that like that's what I I also as like my role as the novice, you know, I need to believe that I can make it through. <laughs> Whereas you, as the, you know, aficionado, you need, you definitely believe that uh, it needs to be remade. <laughs> the world needs to be remade. Um, <laughs> basically what we're saying is Joshua is horror Thanos and he's ready to snap his fingers with all of these, you know, infinity stones <laughs> to, to remake the world. I just, I don't know. I really like that kind of perspective because it's like as a queer person, you know, who has watched horror my whole life and have kind of felt outside of it. It's just very empowering to hear people, you know, when you do really learn the history, when you learn, you know, where, where it's come from. And, you know, you think like, you know, when you're oppressed or you're living outside of like the normal quote unquote, obviously, you know, what people have defined as normal society and you're creating characters and stories to tell you know, to speak to your experience, you know, when you think a lot of those people are queer or they're women or they're people of color, they're black, they're brown, they're indigenous, you know, and they're trying to, you know, speak for themselves. They've always, you know, they've created horror and they've been contributing to it. And I just, I found that very empowering. However, I will say I loved the other thing Sam said that was really great is that he talked a little bit about like sort of this, like the volatile nature of like identification and horror. 
you know, so where he might find something very empowering as like a white queer person in a, in a film. And he and Nay kind of had that there, they were on kind of opposite sides of, of, uh, to deal with like sleepaway camp too. And the, and the trans conversation where it's like, you know, he's like, I like that film. And Nay's like, well, I'm going to like disown it. If queer people want to disown it, you know, that, you know, like just that idea of like, you know, I, so I, I enjoyed that conversation too, that there isn't one answer, you know, that everybody, you know, we do, are pulling different narratives for ourselves. And sometimes what I'm seeing and what I'm pulling for me, I might not realize is, is something that on the other side is harming somebody else or that that is a source of horror in their life or vice versa, where I'm like, Oh, you know, this is awful and gross. You know, like when I, you know, I've talked negatively about like Will and Grace in the, in the past. And like, I find Jack to be kind of a minstrel show. Well, I'm sure there are queer people out there. Like, no, I fucking love Jack. That was me. And I feel empowered by Jack. I don't know these people. I haven't met anybody that said that, but I'm sure they exist, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and other other forms, you know, that there, there probably are people out there like, no, I hate this movie and this is terrible. Um, there's kind of a conversation happening on one of my threads right now about Heathers. And I've been kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to jump in and talk about it because I, I hear and see everybody's points. It's, it's all women, all women discussing Heathers and the problematics of Heathers. And I fucking love Heathers. I think it's fun and catty and fucked up and disturbing and so some of the things that i love about they're like this movie's really fucked up and disturbing and catty and you know but in in the negative (laughs) so you know it's that knowledge like you know not necessarily that heathers is a horror film but i mean it's filled with horrific things you know suicide and gun gunning people down and you know all this all this terrible you know real life horror uh you know but it's just kind of like that whole conversation i'm like yeah there that's this is again why i fucking love horror and i love doing this show is that there's always a new perspective and there's always a a conversation that could be had about all the characters and all the films Mm -hmm. it's just never ending <laughs> queer people are not a monolith. No one is a monolith. Just like black people are not a monolith, queer people are not a monolith. So everyone's going to find those representations. Like yeah. I- I'm like funny you should mention, you know, we've talked about this in earlier episodes. Like I'm I'm just finishing up uh, a rewatch of Will and Grace and like watching it now with you know, with my lens of who I am now is very interesting because a lot of it doesn't hold up. But like, I also remember what it was like to not really have words for my, not really have words to express like my sexuality at the time when I first watched those things being like this, like young queer boy living in a predominantly Catholic Island in the middle of the ocean. And so So yeah, so it's like, was it there for me? Yes, but like, that's the other thing too. People can change our relationships to different texts, to different media can change as well too. Absolutely, absolutely. And this will be an ongoing conversation, especially as we see more and more... I hope, you know, we are breaking down barriers and we are, you know, taking apart these systems of oppression and, and censorship, you know, that have, that have guided so many of us, you know, I think there's still a long way to go, obviously. Um, You know, I, I do think there's still a lot of gatekeeping in Hollywood and, you know, there's certainly a ton of white queer people that are making shows, but where's everybody else, you know, so it's like, and there are some, obviously there are other, you know, there are women and there are people, you know, this is, you know, there, there are, there is, it is increasing, you know, but I'm very, very curious to see as this continues on, as we, you know, hopefully start getting more equitable 
you know, landscapes being made, particularly in horror, because that's what I love, uh, you know, but um, I don't know, it's, it's very exciting to see how our relationships will continue to change as more and more voices are invited in and are allowed that space, uh, you know, or <laughs> they fucking come in and take it, <laughs> which they are certainly welcome to do. I love it. <laughs> um. One one thing I'll say about like the whole this whole like Comic Con at home experience was yeah. that it definitely like was a more populous way of doing it. Um, I yeah. I would really hope and encourage that you know as we move forward into the new reality, as we move forward um, into this you know this new phase of existence, that this is something that we look into. Like, this is something that like, cause there are a lot of really important cultural conversations that are happening. And that's like, that's been like my, the one reason it's like, why do you go to Comic-Con? And it's like, I, I go to Comic-Con for two reasons. I go because I like having being there a part of these like types of cultural conversations, specifically in pop culture. Um, it enhances my experience of it. I can understand why people wouldn't. But also at the same time, I also go to be around a bunch of people who who are in the same who who feel the same way that I do about it. That would actually be want to sit in an hour long panel talking about queerness and horror. Um, it's it's definitely a way to be with people. And and to be quite honest, like it was a queer horror panel that got me that like really made me. Um, made me more enthusiastic about doing this show. And I've said that many times before. I'm like doing this show and wanting, and like it was after my first queer horror panel that I like started sending things to Joshua, like we should do this and getting more excited about it. So like queerness is, queerness is my access into my own queerness, but like, you know, in general is my access into the genre. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Absolutely. Um, so this was supposed to be a quick, uh, episode, but obviously, uh, we do nothing of- quick, right? <laughs> I like it, you know, slow and, 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 uh, careful, De- deliberate, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, we do absolutely again encourage you. Shutters Comic Con at Comic Comic Con. Uh, <laughs> Shutters Comic Con at home. It's because it is Comic Con, but you know, people, it's like yeah. Comma Con, Comic Con, Comic Con. Let's do this for an hour now. Comic Con. Uh, that'll be really entertaining to, for our listener. Com- you have Comic- to get the consonants right. You have the Comic Con. Comic-Con. No, that's something else I attend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Shudder's Comic-Con at-home panels. This was Scary Good TV, and Shudder Presents Horror is Queer, which is a document... Well, I don't know if the documentary is going to be called that, but Shudder is producing... I did. I did want to say real quick that I was really happy this wasn't like a Shudder masturbatory jack-off by our shit thing. You know, like I didn't feel at all they were like trying to necessarily sell Shutter. So, which I love. I was like, this is cool. We're just we're talking about this. Nobody in any of the panel was like subscribe to Shutter. Uh, so, I just want to say that real quick. So, because they weren't like that, I do want to encourage you to subscribe to Shutter and uh, find these and support all these people. Lots of these, lots of the people involved, you know, aren't huge voices or you know they're not you know billionaires making tons of money. So, find them on stuff. Follow them. Uh, give them some coin if you can. Um, you know, I'm thinking particularly of uh, our, our our dear friends who are you know 
working creatives. <laughs> yes. Uh, and find more cool Comic-Con stuff. It's all over there. So support what you love and uh, watch your thing. I hear there was like a Constantine panel with Keanu Reeves. Uh, you know, if you're into that. <laughs> it's because it came up right after the one I was watching. <laughs> Did you watch it? Mm-mm. It started to autoplay, but I stopped it. I I, I actually like Constantine, uh, but mostly I like Constantine too. Okay, but it's Tilda. Yeah, yes, it is Tilda. Is she Gabriel? She is Gabriel. Yeah, she's Archangel Gabriel, and she's fucking awesome and looks amazing. So that's why I like that movie. I always watch it just to to see her again. It's Shia LaBeouf for me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he's in it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all right anyways enough of this nonsense um <laughs> again dark hills events check them out on facebook watch me go through my thing uh getting murdered by monsters and uh tanana reeve do we love you tanana reeve do cool um, um, a, please come and do fright school. Please join us. <laughs> please, I, I right now they're going to. They're calling. She, I hope so. Um, I, I random. Sometimes I'll randomly text Joshua, uh, videos of me doing nonsense. I won't post. This is not for public consumption. But, um, I did send him a video of me saying Tanana Reeve do looking right in the camera and then without comment because <laughs> I was like, you know what Joshua could use in the middle of his morning is me just coming up there and just saying the name of a uh, of a voice that we love. Yes, I I did enjoy that, you know, reasons to to carry on. So, um again, thank you to all the love that I have received. Uh Rakshasa was well loved. Again, I had him for 17 years. A lot of people out there met him, you know, plenty of our listeners are also friends, <laughs> which is great. Uh you know, and if not, they've seen photos of him. You know, people have seen him, and so he was well-loved and, uh, you know, well-petted throughout his life and definitely well-fed. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you know, so taken care of. And so thank you to everybody who's reached out and said lovely things. I, I really appreciate it. And he, um, you know, he was a good he was a good buddy. And uh, you all were very kind to him throughout his life. So with that, Joe, I continue to adore you despite... Uh, this show (laughs) (laughs) despite continuing to be in your presence Uh, (laughs) I hope that you have uh, a good night thanks Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Ha 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 